0: And welcome to another episode of No Life Like Show Life. This time we're back with another episode in English. And my guest today is pretty special, not only because she has been highly successful in the past, but because she is the first guest from the US on this podcast for an aperture portrait. And I'm very excited to welcome her. She is an AQHA world champion, an NSBA world champion, a congress champion, and I think many people from Europe might know her. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Mallory Rowe. Hi Mallory, could you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Hi, I just wanted to first start off and
1: say I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am Mallory Rowe. I'm originally from Grimes, Iowa in the US and I'm currently living in Dallas, Texas. I am pursuing a master's degree from Southern Methodist University, and I show on their SMU equestrian team, as well as show in the American Quarter Horse Association on the side of that, and I have been showing horses for most of my life. I cannot remember a time where they weren't part of my life, so I've say the first time I was on the back of a horse was around three maybe 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 that's not maybe that's being generous but my mom and my grandma were both horse trainers so that's always been a part of my life I'm currently 23 years old so it's been a very long time now I'm getting old
0: (laughs) oh please don't say that please don't say that because I'm turning 30 next year (laughs) (laughs) But it's very cool. So you've been on a horse for like 20 years, which is quite a big time span, right? Yeah. And you just mentioned that your mom is a horse trainer. And has she always done that? So your whole life, she has been working as a horse trainer. Is that correct?
1: For my whole life, yes. So my mom had me quite young. And when she became pregnant with me, it was actually when she decided that she was officially going to take over um, my grandmother's horse business. And so they started working together when I was an infant. Until that point, she had been going to university as well. And she was in their sports management program. And then she kind of just changed courses and has done that ever since.
0: So you come from a real big family of horse addicts. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) that's cool. I'm really jealous. That's really cool. So you just mentioned the first time you were on a horse, but when was the first time you went to a horse show?
1: So when I was young and my mom was first starting out, we did not show at the national level at all. Um, We just showed around Iowa in the Iowa Quarter Horse Association. So each of our states has their own association. So there's the Texas Quarter Horse Association. Every, Every state has one. And so they have their own shows that they affiliate with. And so we would show around just the circuit in Iowa. We would do the state fairs. We would do the county fairs. We started out very low level. So I'd say one of my very first shows was the Clay County Fair, where uh, actually I had some family that lived in like Clay County, and we would go there every year. And it was just a cute, small little show. So that's where I really got my start.
0: And what kind of horse did you ride back then? It was
1: an American Quarter Horse. You know for the for the county fairs you it was there wasn't as much breed association for those you know we would see paint horses and palominos and buckskins and everyone could kind of show together so i wasn't even breed associated at that point um, but i did have american quarter horses
0: and the first time that i noticed you was actually with crimson bell when you won so many many showmanship classes and i think that was in 217 am i right Yes. Yeah.
1: I got Bell in 2016. And our our first big win came at the NSBA World that year. Like most of our accomplishments came around 2017.
0: Yeah, I remember that. That was a huge accomplishment because you won the Youth World Show, right? The NSBA World Show and the Congress and the Youth Showmanship.
1: Yes. So that was kind of where we started to really gain traction. We, you know, right at the end of 2016 and then 2017
0: was the big year for sure. But you don't show her anymore, if I'm correct. What kind of horses do you show at the moment? So I am
1: still within the Quarter Horse Association, so I don't show Belle anymore. I sold her at the end of 2018 when I ended my youth career, and I do actually, I have her registered name tattooed on my ribs, so she's a special one for sure. But I so I still show a quarter horses. I currently have a horse. um His name is his bar name is Booker, and his registered name is Coolbade Machine. I showed him this year at the Amateur World.
0: Oh yeah, I watched you on the live stream. He's quite tall, isn't he? He's a big boy. Um, one of my
1: one of the very few geldings that I've ever shown in my career, actually, and then um a very very big boy. He's about sixteen hands, sixteen one which, you know, not huge in a, in the grand grand scheme of things, but for a quarter horse and for an all-around horse who does the Western stuff as well, he's good-sized.
0: Yeah, you show him in many events, right?
1: Yeah, so we, we showed a ton of events at the World Show and not even all of them that we uh, were wanting to. I, unfortunately, I didn't get to show the showmanship because I had a final for school on the day of the finals and I didn't want to show the prelims of the showmanship, take a spot in the finals and then not be able to show in the finals. So I just, you know, scrapped that class altogether, which was heartbreaking for me. Oh, I
0: can understand.
1: <laughs> but I did, I showed, um, the trail, the horsemanship, the hunter under saddle, the equitation. What else? Was that it? <laughs> I think that was trail the horsemanship. The. Uh, I don't know about that equitation. I feel like I feel like that's most of it. <laughs> I think Actually- so.
0: I actually remember watching the showmanship prelims and I was wondering why you didn't show in that class but you know I was just thinking that maybe the horse you were showing at the moment you know doesn't do the showmanship I would have never thought of that but it's actually you know very noble of you to think that way
1: thank you so much I just you know I thought I like to be fair to everyone and you know I just I just thought it would be heartbreaking if I you know, if I if I had seen who was 16th, and no matter who it was, but especially like if I would have known them or whatever, like, and they would have been 16th, and I would have been 15th, for example, you know, that's just, you know, that's kind of heartbreaking so
0: yeah, I can totally understand. And what does your training look like? Who are you working with aside from your mom, which I assume is a very close training partner for you?
1: Yeah, so my training has always been kind of an interesting layout. So I do work with my mom quite a bit. I started out with my mom. What I go over home over winter break. Most of the time I'll ride with her and you know we work together that way. But at most horse shows I show with Blake Weiss, who is now uh, working with Mirko Mueller, actually who's from Germany. And I work with them most of the time at the horse shows and I'll go ride with them because they are located in Texas. And that's a big big reason why I work with them a lot now is because they're about 45 minutes from me here in Dallas. And then my mom lives in Iowa. So it's, you know, it would be hard for me to have my horse in Iowa and try to go to school and practice and get to shows. Um, So it makes it a lot easier that way. And then in uh, in true mother-daughter form, we also butt heads quite a bit. And so (laughs) since a young age, I've actually worked with, I, I think I started with Blake in like 2016. And prior to that, I actually worked with Jason Gilliam, who's another trainer here out of Indiana. And that's who really gave me like my foundation and like who I started showing nationally with. But then I ended up in 2016, I
0: started working with Blake and I've been working with him ever since. I think that's so cool, because as you can assume, Blake is very well known here in Europe, not only because of Mirko, but because he's been over quite a few times, I think. And one thing I wanted to comment on was the thing you said about your mom, because I feel like I personally would struggle being a training partner if my mom was a trainer, because you know know each other so well, so it's probably easy to get into discussion. So I actually wanted to ask you that anyway, if you ever feel like that's a challenge for you, or if you say, no, it's the best thing ever to work with my mom. Yeah,
1: it, you know, it is a blessing and I don't even want to say a curse because it's never really a, a a curse, but it, you know, it kind of goes both ways. Absolutely. I love having her there. She is such a strong person to have like behind me all the time. And she's always pushing me. And I know for a fact, like with, without a doubt, she's always got my best interest at heart, which is such a great kind of person to have on your team. And though we do butt heads on things sometimes and, you know, that's, that's kind of where Blake steps in and (laughs) everything. It's just, it's so great to have her on the, like behind me and working with me all the time. And she's so knowledgeable. She's been doing this for so long and it's just, you know, I always like you'll see in some of my posts on Instagram and everything like I I really have a team from the people that are in my barn with me that also work with Blake Weiss to Blake and Mirko and you know Tony Anderman um, he's another big amateur here he also works with Blake and he's always there for me and you know Blake's got close ties with uh, Clint Ainsworth who is awesome. He helps me all the time as well at the shows. And then having my mom, like I just, I have a really, really great team. um, And my mom's kind of built that for me and helped helped me kind of figure it out so it's it's really really special
0: it does sound amazing to have so many people you can get knowledge and expertise from so as you pointed out it is a big team and as we all saw in the past it led you to success and you have won so many things if I would list them all we would probably (laughs) sit here for a few hours (laughs) but are there some achievements or you know placings wins that are extra special to you
1: yeah. So I was, I was thinking about it this morning when I was thinking about the different horses that I've shown in my life. And one of the, my very first wins when my mom and I, you know, decided we were going to get serious about this and that we were really going to step up to the national level. Um, when I was, I think it was my last year as what we consider a small fry here, which is our nine and under. I took a horse called MGP Gorgeous George to the Quarter Congress. And I ended up being reserve in the walk trot horsemanship because all small fry classes for us, I just walk trot. And I, so I was reserve with him. And that was like my, my first big title was being second at the Congress in that class. So that's like one of the very first big ones for me. And then after that, I got a mare, um, certainly a classic. I don't have a big win with her i i was third at the congress in the uh 12 to 14 western pleasure but she is such a special uh mare to me she's a leading producer now and you know she was, she was just like a she was very incremental in, in getting me where i am today like learning what a horse should feel like and kind of gaining that that feel that helps you in the spur of the moment in the class like make decisions how should this go How can I make this better? She was just incremental in that for me. You know, going obviously to my number one, Crimson Bell. um, So I won the NSBA world in the Congress in 2016 and the showmanship. And then the the next year in 2017, I won the NSBA world in... The showmanship, the the AQHYA world and the showmanship as well, was reserving the horsemanship that year. And then I won the Congress and the showmanship that year as well. And then in 2018, we we were reserving the horsemanship at the AQHYA world again, the youth world here. And then we were fifth in the trail. And then that, that year we won the Congress again. And that, that was the, you know, the kind of the last big win I got to have with her. So that is a very, very special one for me winning the Congress and the showmanship in 2018, because that kind of closed our youth career and was a big win at the end. And then recently I got my first all around at the world show with Booker. So I was reserve all around with him in the amateur division. And that was really, really cool and very special.
0: Oh, that is really cool. I didn't realize that. Congrats. Thank you. I think Crimson Bell was such a cool horse to watch because especially in the showmanship, she was so sharp, but she never looked stressed. It was kind of like a a very neat, clean, sharp performance, but you never got the feeling that she didn't like the job. So I really loved watching that. And I also loved your style because you were so natural and athletic if you can say that you know because I personally struggle with the showmanship not having it look too artificial so I'm always jealous of people who can make it look natural and I feel like you're one of the people who can you know perform this in a way that's actually very very hard to achieve. Wow
1: thank you so much that's that means so much to me and i actually i love that you brought out the word athleticism because when i first got bell we bought her for about seventy five hundred dollars, and you know it was for us a, a big investment at the time and she but she you know, she was she wasn't some horse that was like great legged and gonna be you know the next great one or whatever we, we found her kind of in someone's backyard in south dakota and so you know when we were trying to figure out how we were going to make this partnership great. It wasn't going to be that we were going to be the absolute like best mover out there or whatever, you know, especially in the showmanship. We're like, but we can be the most athletic. We can be the most correct. And so, you know, that was what I originally focused on. And so at the very beginning of my career, I will say I was I was harsh and, you know, when when we first started to figure that out actually, I still wasn't showing on the the national level a ton. I would go to these shows in Iowa. And I actually, I met a judge in Iowa. Her name is Liz Baker. She is a trainer and a judge. And she, you know, she put on my, she was good friends with Jason and she had put on my scorecards that it was a really great run. So she ended up talking to Jason Gilliam, my trainer at the time. And she was like, you know, she can, she can be really good at this. You've, you've got to, you've got to soften it up. And when we went from there, we we started to dial it back and we went a little less athletic, a little more pretty. And, you know, we just fine tune that forever. And, you know, all of 2016, we get to the Congress, we win the Congress and then we keep working. And then 2017 rolls around and all those big accomplishments start to hit so it was it was really really a a process getting to that point for sure
0: but those are always the best stories right the one you find in a backyard and that turns out to be a world champion congress champion yeah. so it's a really nice you know i'm saying that in quotation marks underdog story it's it's really inspiring you know and like that's one of the great things about the showmanship
1: is you know you can just you can work it over and over and over and you can become the absolute best at it and you don't have to have like that horse that's a great mover or has a great like headset or you know it doesn't poke its neck at or it's 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 nose out perfectly like you can you can build on that more I would say you know whereas a lot of your like your trail and your western riding like they need to have a lot more natural ability I think (laughs) It's a class I hold very close to me because I think that you can be the best out of it at it, and you don't have to come from some crazy background,
0: absolutely. And one thing I always noticed when I watched your showmanship classes is actually your outfit because you always stick like with the same pattern of colors. But I feel like your outfits are actually very different from many, many other people because they're way more, I don't know how to say that because simple always has like sort of a negative connotation but i feel like that's what makes them special because of the simplicity the straight lines so how would you describe your style in the outfits and why did you choose them
1: so (laughs) when i originally started out with the color scheme it was actually my biggest showmanship idol growing up was kalina weekly and that was kind of the color scheme that she went with but we didn't want to copy her exactly and so my first showmanship jacket was just a white shirt with a with a gold lace overlay and then gold pants and a a, t- a tan hat and you know it, they are i I agree with you they're very simple but you know it, it kind of goes along with of where we stand with the showmanship you know it's like i came from humble beginnings and the showmanship kind of just like you know it brought me to the main stage and I don't think like, you know, I don't think you have to go out there in a a studded jacket. That's just like, you know, you can see it from miles and miles away. You can kind of be true to who you are. And if you're the if you are the hardest worker in the pen, that's going to have payoffs for you. And that's just it just kind of goes with, you know, how we've come up through the showmanship and kind of our mindset on it, I guess. And I've always tried to kind of stay true to that style. I don't, I don't ever want to change that. So I try to keep my jackets very simple. I've had a couple throughout the years, and you, you might not even notice that I changed them because they, they are fairly <laughs> really, really similar. With this last one that I've actually been showing in for a couple of years now, I wanted to do something a little different. So I, I actually went to Tammy Dyer at D Designs, and I was like, I, I feel like you're gonna think I'm crazy, but you know, everyone has started to wear those like the shirts to show in where they they're, it's not it's not a jacket it's not a vest it's just a shirt maybe it has a some stuff on the collars the cuff and then maybe like down the middle and i was like but i want to make it showmanship and so that's actually where the idea came from for my last my last jacket
0: i actually had to smile a little when you said your first sentence because I think that Kalina has been such a role model for everyone here in Europe as well because you know we've all been watching her and we've been watching you so it's kind of interesting to hear that she was sort of the role model for your outfit and I think the last uh, shirt you mentioned is actually the one I was thinking of first because as you mentioned is very different from the usual showmanship jacket that's kind of like full of stones and glitter and as you mentioned you can see people from far away but I always like to show people your latest outfit because I want to tell them that, you know, you don't need that. If you don't feel comfortable in like those studded jackets, you can go for a simple, a clean look, especially if you wear it confidently. So I feel like you've been such a cool role model in that aspect.
1: Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I, I, I'm so glad that it has, you know, reached people and that it has the same meaning for them that it does for me.
0: Although I always wonder how you, you know, stay in that shirt and don't get any dirt <laughs> on it because that that would happen to me, definitely. So don't Do not worry about that because
1: that has been a point of contention between me <laughs> and my mother and as well as those who clean my jackets all the time. I I am absolutely someone who cannot keep white clean. So we, we do argue about that quite a bit. But I try, I try my best. And, you know, the face grease and everything else during showmanship, especially it it's, it's rough.
0: Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> tricky. That's tricky. <laughs> but you just mentioned that showmanship is a class that's very dear to your heart. But is it your favorite?
1: Oh, that's such a hard question because... <laughs> When you have a horse that you've worked with a long time, you are in stride with them, it's the easiest, most beautiful thing. It's so fun. But let me tell you, every time I start a new one, it is the most frustrating class that I have ever been through. And (laughs) I I would say in those times, it is probably my least favorite class. (laughs) I know this sounds so bad coming from me, but I, you know, it is, it is such a technical class. And I I do, I really love it. And, you know, teaching them in the end, the the results are so fun. And I I love getting there. But it is a struggle at the beginning. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I I love the horsemanship, I would say that's another, another big one for me. That's what I do in college. So definitely between those two.
0: Yeah, I can understand. I feel like showmanship is so tricky, because when you're riding, you have so many things you can use as cues you know you have two hands and two legs and your seat and your voice and I feel like with showmanship you have the chain you have the voice you have the body language but it's as you know I feel like it's way more vague than everything you can do in a saddle and that's why I personally feel it's such a big challenge yeah so definitely
1: with the showmanship working off of your body and getting getting your horse in tune to what your, what your body is asking them to do, because you're right. You can't, you can't hit the chain every time you want to ask for something, especially when you want to, compete at at the level three level yeah it's it's different
0: for sure and you just mentioned you do horsemanship in college and i feel like we have to explain that a little bit to people i actually did an episode on that topic in the past but i don't know if everyone has listened to that so could you maybe just explain the concept of the equestrian teams at college because that's very unusual for europeans
1: yeah so it's you know it's not it's it's definitely a growing sport over here as well it's 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 got a lot of room for growth, but the way that College Equestrian works is there are probably about 15 to 18 schools right now that have it. I attend Southern Methodist University, and so I'm on their equestrian team. I got scouted by my coach at the time, Mackenzie Lance. She's now at the University of Georgia coaching. But the the coaches come around to AQHA shows, paint horse shows, you know, all of them. They try to hit all of the big ones and they will scout from there. And um, they'll call you if they want to have you come visit their school and at that point, it's kind, of the, the, it's kind of up to you. It's your decision at that point. I visited a couple of schools. I went and saw um, Oklahoma State University. I went and saw the University of South Carolina, Baylor, which is in Waco, Texas, and Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas. And I ended up settling on SMU. And so when you ride horses in college, there are four events that you can do. You can do the jumping, which most of our girls come from, from like the fei industry not a not a ton of aqha girls involved in that um the other hunter event that we have is the equitation on the flat which is very much like your regular like quarter horse equitation class however it's set in a dressage arena and so they kind of have to maneuver those big horses around the dressage arena because they use you know they, they use a lot of warm bloods because they use the warm bloods for the jumping as well Um, And then you have two Western events. So you have the horsemanship and the reining. So recruiting from the National Reining Horse Association um, as well. And then once you get to college, each school has their own set of donated horses. I would say SMU has an incredible set of donated horses, you know, because most of the time we get a lot of problem children donated to us, but, you know, that's, we love them. And we know that that is um, the reason that we get to have them. But we, you know, we have a really, really great set of horses actually that were donated to us. Um, We're really, really lucky. Uh, one One of our biggest ones being Machine power I don't know if you've heard of this horse before it's it showed on the uh AQHA like the main stage and with Anthony Montez and Bruce Vickery for the most really really great horse we we've got quite a few really cool ones and then you know Naya Kearns who is on our team now um Brad Kearns her dad is the coach she actually um we show her horse um bmq stop for traffic in college oh wow (laughs) Um, Yeah, so he's part of our program, and she does take him out for a few shows throughout the year. Obviously, a really, really great horse, all-time favorite equitation horse for sure, and now a fun college horse. (laughs) But yeah, so we have a pool of horses that we have at each school. The way it works is we go to the barn each day, we ride our horses, and then competitions will be like throughout the we have a regular season, just like any other sport where we go to different colleges and we compete against them. And in that regular season, if we go to, say, Oklahoma State for a competition, we show their horses and so it's a, it's a big home field advantage doing that because those are the horses, you know, that you ride every day in practice. And so when we go to another school, we, we've never seen these horses before we or you know, most of them, we may, we've ridden them once in a competition the year prior or whatever, but for the most part, they ride them every day. We've never seen them, but the same for us. When people come to us, then when it comes to nationals, when we all go, to it used to be in Waco and now it's at the the new like have you seen the big WEC event center in Ocala Florida yeah yeah so that's actually we are so lucky to get to have our nationals there it's the most beautiful place I've ever gotten to show show a horse
0: at yeah it looks uh, amazing
1: yeah so all of the schools bring their pool of horses and at that point everyone shows against each other kind of on neutral playing ground where for example, if my school was competing against Oklahoma State, we would ride we would ride horses from every other school, but we would not draw our own horses. So it's it's different at that point. And they they rank us all throughout the year up until the point of going to conferences and nationals, which conferences would be the people like each school is set up into different conferences. So you have the Southeastern Conference, which you have South Carolina, Auburn. Um, all your Southeastern schools for the most part. There's the Big 12 and then the UEC. So everyone does their conferences. And then at nationals, it's just the top eight in the nation get to come and compete at nationals. And at at those two, it is level playing ground. Everyone has horses that they don't go to school on that they don't like ride every day at school so it's it's a really unique sport
0: yeah i actually love watching it on instagram because you know i follow so many AQHA equestrians who are on college equestrian teams and it always looks like the atmosphere is very different from usual horse shows and you know the the team spirit is way more prominent so what's the one thing you love most about it? What I love most about it, and
1: the thing that sets it apart the most from what we would see in, at a regular horse show, is that, you know, especially at nationals and conferences, you're you're riding horses that you don't see very often. And so it kind of puts everyone on a level playing ground. It is just you and that horse and another girl and that horse. So you, you ride the same horse, you go head to head with another girl And neither of you know the horse very well. You get four minutes to kind of warm up and figure it out, and then you go do a pattern, and whoever scores the highest gets a point for their team. So, you know, whereas showing in the regular industry, you have this horse that you work with all the time, and it's, you know, you and that horse against the world. Whereas in college equestrian, it's how well can you get this horse around that you don't know? Can you do it better than the other person? And it's, it's, a really cool thing to be able to figure a horse out like that and um you know, in such a short time frame and go out there and have a good pattern it's it's such a cool crazy feeling
0: and I've seen on Instagram as well that some AQHA questions show in the horsemanship and the reining such as Deanna Green I think but I'm not sure about you do you do the horsemanship and the reining or just the horsemanship
1: so I just do the horsemanship I have always wanted to start in the reining but you know especially when you step into the college thing where it's, you know, horses that you don't know, you really, really, really need to know the sport. And so when Deanna was getting ready to go to college, she actually, the year before she got a rainer, a really pretty uh, Cremello rainer. And so she kind of learned the ropes of how to do it. And, you know, that transferred for her into college. I've, I've never shown in the NRHA stuff. So, it would be completely new to me and it wouldn't it wouldn't be fair to you know me my team or the horse for me to go out there and be on a horse that i don't know and do a class that i've never really done and so it's it's a very hard thing to do and kudos to everyone in college equestrian that does that because very very cool to be able to do both because it's you know it's hard and especially when you don't know the horse
0: yeah that actually makes sense <laughs> so <laughs> what does a normal day at school for you look like
1: so right now we are in kind of uh the end of our semester so we are taking finals however like a regular day in the life when we are in school and doing equestrian full-time my day would start out about 6 a.m i would have i would wake up about 6 and go to workouts at 6 30. workouts for college equestrian are about an hour so we'll go to that from 6 30 to 7 30 and then after that, it's kind of built out. They do a really good job of making sure that you get your your school schedule first and then they build practice around that. But most of the time, they try to get everything done in the morning so you can have the rest of the day just to do schoolwork and go to class. So the way that my day would lay out after workouts at 730 I would grab a coffee and go to the barn and be there around eight and have an hour long practice from eight to nine, where I can choose from any of the horses, maybe one that I haven't ridden in a while, just make sure that I know what I'm doing on all of the horses at home. And most of the time, the way that our practices work, if if we don't have a meet for a while, it'll just be, you know, horse improvement and posture improvement, doing things like that. If we're getting closer to a meet, we'll practice the patterns for the meet. So, kind of just a different range of what we'll do at practice. But then after that, I'll have either two or three classes typically um, a day, depending on our like our schedule goes like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, where Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes are about an hour, and then Tuesday, Thursday classes are about an hour and twenty. So just whatever classes I have that day and then homework that night and trying to fit in sleep and um, like some social stuff and skincare and all sorts of things as well so long days long days for sure
0: yeah I was just about to say that very busy days (laughs) so how many semesters do you have left until you graduate so I'm actually an interesting
1: case right now (laughs) because (laughs) The NCAA did a very cool thing for athletes when COVID hit and everything got closed down, they made sure that any athlete that missed out on a good chunk of their sport in 2020, when everything got closed down, got a year back for their competition. So we got our scholarships back for a year. We get to compete another year because, you know, technically a year was kind of taken from us. And so I actually am a fifth year now. I finished my undergraduate degree in uh, financial economics and I'm working on my master's in management now. So I this is my fifth year in college. I have one
0: semester left and then I'm officially done. And I don't know if you wanna hear that question because some people don't like to hear that question, but what do you plan to do after college? it's always yeah. the kind of question you get from you know annoying relatives right it's 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 a big question um for sure
1: the only thing i do know is that i have booker for another year so i'll be showing him again next year for all the big stuff i'm actually i'm going to go to the we have a circuit in florida coming up in uh, tampa florida and then venice and that, so i'm going to go to that but um just a big year with him and then I actually I, I don't even know if I'm going to be in the States next year. I might I might be all over the place. I potentially might end up in Switzerland next year. I don't I don't even know. So we we have lots of questions to get answered there.
0: Well, if you go to Switzerland, I'm sure that there are many, many people who would like to welcome you from our <laughs> AQHA industry. Actually, Switzerland isn't far from where I live. So if you ever feel like visiting, let me know. But it sounds exciting.
1: Listen, I'm going to need lots of friends. So (laughs) if I do move over there, I'm going to need lots of friends. And actually, you know, Blake is coming over to Germany. He's going to do some clinics this this winter. And then my mom's actually going to go do some clinics in Switzerland this winter as well. So hopefully I can kind of
0: go with her and see it all and maybe meet up with Blake at some point too. Oh, that's so cool i think it's so cool when u.s trainers come over to europe because i feel like this exchange of knowledge it's so valuable we can learn so many things from you and you know it's just so fun, because as you just mentioned, COVID has put everything to kind of like, um, stand still. So it's very exciting to have the possibility to have people come over. Because I remember when the first lockdown came, there were actually many clinics planned here in Europe with US trainers, and they all had to be cancelled and was very frustrating. So it's very cool to see that people are actually able to come over again.
1: Yeah, it's it's been it's actually it is so cool getting to you know have all of that and you know we had I don't know if you know um, Matteo horse trainer I think he's out of Italy he came and um, worked with Blake a little bit and you know I got to talk to him some and you know that, like you said that transfer knowledge is so cool I got to ask him all sorts of things about the industry over there and it, it's really it's really cool
0: Yeah, he actually works very closely with my trainer, so I know him very well. So it's Cool, because our industry is quite small, you know, in Europe, although we have so many countries, we don't have as many people as you do over in the States. But it's very fun to see how social media has made it possible for all of us to connect a little bit more. Ten years ago, when I went to the States for the Congress and the World Show, it was all so you know mystic you couldn't really get a peek behind the scenes and you know see what things are really like but now with social media it's way e- more easy to get an idea of what people are doing and how things are handled and it's very cool, especially whenever someone comes over and shares the knowledge. And I, yeah, the other th- cool thing that I saw
1: recently that I, I'm not entirely sure they've ever done it before, but the the AQHA World Show page, it has all of the um, recordings from every single day. So I've gone back and watched all of my finals and everything like social media has had a, a great impact absolutely on on me as well. So. I mean, and it's cool getting to keep up with all my friends from the horse industry, like, you know, I met a lot of people. So I did, I actually, I did the um, Youth World Cup in 2018. And so we, you know, each, each country sends a couple of people and it and my at my time it was in College Station, Texas. And so we got to meet all of these like different um, people that show horses from different countries and so like I keep with up with a lot of people one of my good friends Taj from Australia and I keep up with him quite a bit it, it, it is, it's cool that we get to kind of globalize the horse industry
0: absolutely I actually remember that youth world cup I think you won the showmanship there as well right yes yeah <laughs> thank god I got that right because otherwise I probably would have offended someone but oh, no. I actually watched all the recaps of the live stream as well. I watched the whole days and the commentary by the professional horsemen, which was so great. So, but it's fun to hear that you do it too. This was my first time actually being in a finals where they did the commentary and everything.
1: And like, you know, like you talked about, like having different trainers kind of like come in and talk to you. It was kind of like having that. It's cool to get to go back and listen to, you know, Gino talk about my run and Tim uh, Kamara talk about my run. You know, it's like, a different perspective. It's
0: nice. Absolutely. So you have achieved so many things and you've been so successful, but do you still have any more goals you'd like to achieve? You know, it's,
1: it's not, it's not something where like the Congress is like winning the Congress will ever get old for me or winning the the world show will ever get old for me. I, every single time it's so fun and so special. And so, you know, every, you know, every year you strive for that, for those same goals. And, you know, I have, I have won the all around at the Congress. I've been reserved at the, the world show. And one that I haven't hit yet is um, being, you know, that the amateur all around, I was reserved last year. So I was second for the all around, but that would be a fun one to kind of check off the list. But, you know, none of, none of those big ones will ever be old for me. I would say I, I strive for those same things every year.
0: Yeah, I can totally understand. I mean, how how sad would it be if that feeling ever got old? I mean, I don't think anyone out there probably has that, right? <laughs> yeah, It's very cool. But before we wrap things up, many, many people, as I mentioned before, from Europe are looking over to the US and, you know, watching people and observing what they're doing and how they're doing things. So since you've been so successful in showmanship, and I feel like showmanship is probably one of the few classes where amateurs can actually share many insights because it's a class you have to do by yourself, or you have to practice yourself. You cannot really take a horse and just go and show and be really, really good at it. Do you have any advice for anyone out there for the showmanship?
1: Um, one of the main things I feel like is so important about the showmanship is everything that you do should have a process. So when I set up a horse, you know, you want to be as square as possible in as timely a manner as possible. If you have a step by step that you follow every single time and your horse gets in tune with that step and you know for for trotting off, going into the extended trot, breaking to the walk, if you, have the same process for that every single time it will become muscle memory not only for you but for your horse so when i set my horse up i turn when i turn to my horse and look at it the very first thing that i do is set my left hind foot to my right hind foot and then i move my front feet side to side to get them square and so i do that same process and i don't i don't do front to back with my front feet because i personally feel like that gets confusing with their back their back feet so i press down to move my left hind foot to my right hind foot and then i press up and side to side to get my front feet and so that that's my process that is the process that i do every single time and so my horse gets in tune with that and then when it comes to my body language when i go into a turn or the steps that i take Every time, and I don't know if you have never noticed this in my videos, when I go from like a a forward motion, either walking or trotting to a stop and then maybe a back, I take the same steps every time when I stop and then go into my back. I take a step out and then, and then I walk forward and turn around to my horse. So kind of making sure that your horse knows exactly what you want all the time by doing the same thing. the time that's my biggest advice in the showmanship.
0: i will absolutely start to watch those videos again (laughs) right after this recording but thank you so much for sharing and thank you so much for being open to the idea of this podcast because i don't know i didn't actually know whether my message would reach you and uh, when i contacted you on instagram i was kind of surprised that you replied so fast so thank you so much for doing this thank you so much for joining me and for sharing you know your story and your knowledge your advice thank you so much Oh, absolutely thank you so much for having me it was so fun to kind of get to
1: share my story and you know i i hope that it it reaches the people that it needs to and um yeah I'm, i'm just i'm glad to be here thank you for having me